Well, hello, Jack and Dave Wells. Welcome to the Career Pathways podcast. Hi there. Thanks for having us. All right. You know, for our listeners, uh, can you uh, tell Jason and I kind of where you guys are um, zooming in from? Well, I uh, live in Florida now, and so that's where all the old people go and play pickleball. So we're we're here. uh, we, uh, We moved here about seven years ago from Michigan. Where Jack and was was born and raised, and uh, so it's been very very hot. So that's where I'm calling from, Bonita Springs, Florida, right here. Yeah, and um, I'm calling from uh, Portland, Oregon. Uh, been out here for about ten years, so I get to see my dad here in Florida every like a few times a year, handful of times. I don't know. Oh, good, well, good deal. Uh, we we titled this uh, podcast so you want to be a rock and roll star and uh you know so it was uh all about you know just you know talking about you know having a a career in music a professional career in music and uh, i thought you know jack you know i'm obviously you know full disclosure that i am the the uncle and brought and uh and a brother-in-law of these two wells on the other on the Zoom call, so I, I kind of know your life story in a lot of ways, and uh, wanted to start with you as far as uh, even before music. You know what was interesting is that you really had your your first career, and it was in acting. Uh, can you talk about that? Yeah, um, I mean, I think as far as I can remember, my dad's always been playing. You know movies and plays and musicals and stuff within the house so it's I I I don't know exactly when the bug hit or anything for acting but I do know that I was caught like imitating people a lot a lot as a kid and uh I remember like my my mom walked in on on me in the bathroom and I was like taping up my face to look like Jim Carrey uh to try to get the eyebrow movements down that he was doing in like Ace Ventura so I I think yeah I think it's it was kind of just part of something part of me forever and then i don't we like heard about this competition cut to it was like a 2000 kids all in i think it was in florida or something it's called like amtc america it was in chicago yeah Uh, how we how we got there is um i saw jack some things around jack where he was pretty good imitating people and he was good. Um, he could do things with his voices. He still can. Um, and he uh, he just had this ability to um, just just sort of entertain. So I was just sitting at home. I was ill from some stupid reason. I saw this TV commercial for this organization called AMTC. And I didn't know what it was, but it was in Chicago, where in essence, what they do is they hook up potential actors and and, and mostly actors with agents, agents in California and that. And, and so Jack competed, did extremely well. He won a few of the different, um, they had like eight or 10 different types of competitions within that. And as a result of that, he, he got an agent, a couple of agents were actually interested in, in LA and also one in Chicago. And that sort of started out his, his acting thing. Yeah, so then. Well, so I mean, what age was that? What, how old were you? At, well, like 12? Yeah. 12? Well, yeah. 12. And you're 12 years old and you had an agent. 
Yeah. Yeah. One yeah. Want to hear something kind of funny? So it's a, <laughs> it was also a modeling thing too. So it was acting and modeling and Jack's 12 years old. What are you going to do? But they always wanted to make the, everybody take off their shirt to see their, you know, their, you know, their own <laughs> body, you know, and he's 12 years old. And I was like, come on, this is kind of strange here. Oh, goodness. Yeah. No. I, my, my story about that is, you know, I placed in like basically every category that I did, um, except for the bathing suit walk. <laughs> 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 so I wasn't, uh, I wasn't cut out for that. Um, oh, yeah. Good. I remember like then, after that, uh, we, well, Go then you so then after you win this competition ultimately you like you and uh, your mom ended up in la right yeah so, we were living on and off again in la for a while and it was amazing i mean as a as a as a young kid like i'm hanging out with uh you know mitchell musso from hannah montana josh hudson from hunger games uh i'm like living this kind of all alternate universe where I'm like yeah. going to school and but also auditioning at Warner Brothers and you know we got close but it was mostly like most of my success with acting happened regionally more in the Midwest and I had more success like with commercials and short films and stuff like that out in the Midwest but LA was going through a weird change it was like 2012 like the rise of reality television and stuff so there just wasn't a lot of like it was the same thing that's happening right now with the strikes, but there's just wasn't a lot of stuff going on. Um, and I fell in love with music then. That's kind of when things started changing. Yeah. And you know, there yeah. was the reason why we sent Jack there, we did it in little uh, chunks of time. They used to have a thing, I don't even know they have it in, called Pilots. Yeah, I don't know. And yeah. so, the season was, was when all these actors from all over the country would come in to LA and try to get, hopefully, get uh, casted for a pilot. And Jack was close a few times, but he didn't get it. And so you meet some of these top young actors like Josh Hutchinson. He was just starting off his career. He was, we saw, he was filming that movie with Will Ferrell about soccer. I can't remember the name of it at the time, but he was, screaming. he was Jack's yeah. brother. Yeah. A couple of years younger than Jack. And he would come over all the time and, he, and my, my wife would, Susan would give him cookies and, he was trying to learn how to play the guitar and he was a really good kid. He ended up being quite a star, but you see, it's kind of overwhelming because you see people, famous people, you know, auditioning and you see them at the casting places. And, and so, yeah, so we, we gave that a go for a couple of years, but um, then we said, uh, maybe we just see if we can do it in Michigan because it gets quite expensive. You know? yeah. Hey, Jack, in, in, at a young age like that, you know, it, it seems acting, it, it is kind of trying to break into acting seems so uh like 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 an insecure and you know you got so you got all these highs and lows and you know, mm -hmm. all that auditioning i mean did did that have an impact on you you know i think there's there's a huge the the thing that i learned the most about that is like at in that age was that you know it's rejection you know yeah. you, you just learn very quickly that you're you're likely not going to get the part i mean more so than like unless you become established and you know you have like a repertoire like you're likely going to get rejected and I think at the same time I was doing all this I was all the while taking improv classes uh, improv comedy and I feel like to this day I use those principles for interviewing yeah. Uh, yeah. basically anything that like it's just about you do not negate you're always 
you're always looking to, you know, uh, further the conversation. So you're listening, active listening. Yes. And you're just always agree agreeable. And I think that's kind of like with acting in, in those, you know, those auditions, you're kind of like learning how to read the room and read how, like, it's pretty intense. You know, you have like someone on the other end reading you like, and then the ghost said, I don't like you. And you're supposed to emotionally <laughs> give them something, you know, right, so you, right. you kind of uh, you're kind of in the throes of a lot of unique experiences. And it's definitely taught me how to be a better interview and a better, I don't know, accepting rejection and realizing that's just part of life. Um, yeah, I would also know. say that this thing about rejection is really hard on a 12 or 13 year old kid at 13. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you're a sensitive kid and you get rejected all the time, you know, you're crying, you're getting depressed. But as much as uh, Jack got rejected quite often, um, I think it made him better down the road because yeah. he grew up like a thicker skin and then he didn't have such unrealistic expectations about things. So if he got rejected, he kind of, eh, all right, I know, but whatever. But this is really hard on, on young young guys, young girls getting rejected can can devastate them. You know? Well, so then you... Uh... Like you come back uh, to Michigan and how, you know, what, how was, how did the transition go to kind of now say, okay, now I, where I want to put my voice is in music and kind of put acting, you know, on the back, on the back shelf. Yeah. It's kind of an interesting swaparoo what happened there. Yeah. Uh, by the time I was like 17, I was still going to LA every once in a while. And I did, the improv comedy classes at the groundlings there. Um, but like, while I was hanging out there, I kind of came up with like, I almost called like my secular friend, but it's just my friend who wasn't an actor that was living, living in the complex that I was living. Right. And he was like, um, his dad was like in a uh, metal band called Lizzie Borden in the eighties. And so they had this like crazy huge studio recording studio out in studio city that we'd go out to. And I started like recording music with him and just kind of learning how to get back on drums. I mean, I, I played drums a little bit as a kid. I played guitar a little bit, but I like, until I started doing that and my friends back in my you know middle school, I just kind of started playing with people and that just kind of naturally started happening. Um, and it, it kind of, I was like, oh, this is something I really love. And I was just destroying my voice because I didn't know how to sing. Oh, yeah, and right. so, uh, by the time I was like 18, I had like ripped my vocal cords apart, trying to be in punk bands, trying to sound like Blink-182 and Tom DeLonge and stuff. And yeah. uh, and so I had to go through like this like therapy and it like my voice went up like three octaves. And so now my voice is super high, like yeah. comparatively to where it was. And I think I just in that process of like changing, kind of just being influenced by the music and then starting to be playing. And then I started playing shows because I just kind of was like, this is way faster gratification and yeah. uh and also just like i felt even more natural in it than i did with acting like even though acting kind of came second nature right. it's like this started to like really it was like infiltrate my my creative mind so i uh I dove in i want to fill in one of those gaps uh yeah. when he came in from back from la and he, he was doing he got in a few independent films in michigan and canada he did fine. I mean, it wasn't like he made a ton of money, but he did he did fine, and it mm -hmm. helped him be able to act in front of a camera because he really didn't get to do a lot of long acting, you know, memorize the scripts, and he he did well. Um, 
but uh, I also, it was around 13 or 14 when he, like Jack's talking about that punk band, Jack started to realize, and we didn't know he had it. He didn't know he had it, that he can write songs. Okay. And so he started writing songs when he was 13 or 14. And, and, and a few, I have, they actually have the CD on a couple of them and they were quite good. So I didn't ever think I ever really thought that was an avenue for him about songwriting. I know he liked to play drums and uh, guitar, and he was quite good at both. But but the songwriting ability came started to come out, Jack, at around 13, 14. You, you yeah, know. my timeline is so messed. I can't even yeah. tell like when that all started. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. Oh, you you know one thing, you know, as far as one of the uh, things, that, and it's 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 one of those mistakes I made that I'm going to have to confess here on the podcast that. Jack, you, I don't even know, you, you might have been just a baby baby, but uh, before Sandy and I uh, were parents, you know, we were, uh, we came down to Atlanta to visit your mom and dad and, and Dave and, and, and uh, thought what a great Christmas gift to give young Dave a pair of drums. <laughs> and I remember your mom calling me up and just cursing me. <laughs> it was like, it's like, yeah. you know, it's just like you get, you know, why didn't you just give him a loaded gun or something? You know? Know, honestly, yeah. <laughs> he, he, you know, he took to it and I, and I don't, uh, you don't have to comment on your, your brother's musical abilities, but I guess there was a lot of noise being made. Well, uh, no, d d yeah. <laughs> Dave, uh, he actually didn't play drums very long. Okay. It was, it was very short lived. <laughs> and we, we, uh, we once we moved it back to Michigan, he we got him into guitar. But then yeah. Jack started playing drums on his own at four years old. We gave Jack or four or five years old gave him drum lessons. So Jack inherited the drums, but we also had a basement. Okay. Yes. And, yes. And, yes. Uh, so that helped that pretty well. So so then you you, you know you're uh, kind of in music, and then if you you went to. Uh, you know went to college and uh mm -hmm. and you were committed to earning a degree was that kind of uh the promise with your parents as far as to get a degree and then take take your career wherever it goes at that point no i not really i my okay. dad was completely on board with me going back to la and pursuing like improv because okay. i got invited to yeah. do um, yeah. some adult classes at the Groundlings and he was supportive of any real direction really that I wanted to go but you know this is at the time where I met my my now wife uh, mm -hmm. and I felt I felt that I was kind of like falling in love with her and I was like I think I want to go to school and kind of have that experience my my high school and junior high was kind of all over the place and I was like maybe some like like just you know this would be good for me and I think I mean Mel had a lot to do with my wife had a lot to do with it and I was, I just wasn't necessarily ready, I don't think, to go to LA on my own. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of what decided it. I only really applied to a like couple of colleges just because I was pretty sure I was going to go to LA. LA. Yeah. We were very fortunate because I was looking, because to pay LA uh, out of state tuition for a college, yeah. I said, I'm not so sure, but maybe. We get him to into a community college while he's pursuing other things, and we we were going there. We were getting close to that was going to happen, and then at, we all some Jack something happened because of Mel, of course, Melissa. Uh, he uh, he said, "I got to apply to some colleges here in Michigan." 
I don't know. I don't <laughs> had a lot to do with it. And we applied to, I think it was Michigan State. Was that the only one you applied to? I think that's the only one I applied to. Yeah. And, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. And then they both went off and, and Jack did not go to L.A., but Mel and Jack were making music together because she's got one of the most, probably the most beautiful voices in, in music. She's absolutely incredible. So they ended up forming their own band, actually back in high school. Um, when they started, uh, the, the first band was called Sunny Side Up. Little right. Sunny Side Up. And then they ended up changing a little later to those willows back in college, right? Does that sound mm-hmm. right? Yep. So, so those willows, you know, even in the the prior name, that's that you've had that since uh, high school. It kind of came into play more in like sophomore year of college. Oh, okay, uh, got it. Yeah, and it, it was with a different like crew, and we were making mm-hmm. like way more. Whereas, like Sunny Side Up was like very folk singer songwriter. We 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 started making it more rock and psychedelic with this with like one group but then we just kept the name and kind of went back to our folkier roots yeah. by the end of my senior year and yeah the name just stuck because we just i don't know it's hard to find a name that doesn't exist anywhere and uh that name yeah. does not so it was easy yeah. to google yeah. we had all the accounts um at the rise of social media it was nice to have like a, an account that was just Instagram.com slash those willows. You know? yeah, yeah. What uh for your music, kind of what kind of uh were your influences and kind of how would you describe those willows? Yeah, you know, it's always been a little bit challenging to to like pin pinpoint exactly where we like where we fit and everything. But um growing up, I I always when my dad would play the Beach Boys, I was really gravitated towards them, the Beatles. And then as I got to college, I like, I started taking things from like where, and then I got into like pop punk. So I was like in Green Day, Blink-182, Fall Boy, like that rise. And then there was like a gap that happened where it was like, all of a sudden Arctic Monkeys came out and they were playing with this idea of like kind of pop punk, but also like British, you know, unique lyricism, unique melody. It was just different than what I was used to and then there's Radiohead so there was like these two avenues and then I kind of like hit Animal Collective and then MGMT and then like then there was like Passion Pit and then it went to Fleet Foxes, Grizzly Bear, Beach House and so like they're in Vampire Weekend and then like this kind of opened up a huge bubble when I got to college 2008 was like the boom of like yeah. indie rock um, yeah. and like the Shins uh, whatever I mean there was just so many bands that were coming out right then and those bands just took over my life. So I think everything about their songwriting and trying to capture authenticity of their own writing and their own melody making, like that sounded like nothing else is really what inspired me to like take those willows, have unique arrangements that were my own songs that couldn't be written by someone else, um, yeah. like inherently have our own sound. And I think that's our sound kind of hit some like Motowny stuff. It kind of hit some doo-woppy stuff, but also a little rock, a little folk, you know, and it's mm-hmm. it's kind of all over the place. But it it also sounds very cohesive. So I'm not sure. <laughs> you know, uh, you know, and we'll we're kind we'll kind of transition to talk about your music career, but a question that, you know, as a as a musician in, in the in the business side of music, is there pressure? to kind of fit a genre, you know, like what you have is like kind of this wide range, expansive, 
you know, kind of view in terms of you know, all the different music that influences you. And then it comes out in your music where it doesn't neatly fit, you know, this, you know, this genre, or that genre. You think back like in the old radio days, you know, where radio was, it was all just, you know, so segmented and you had yeah. to fit a certain style to be on a certain station. Yeah, I think that rise I was talking about in 2008, where there's just so many different various types of music coming out, like even like the electric mu electronic music, uh, rap, R&B, country, like all these different things were happening, but they're all happening under the umbrella of indie. And I think the rise of indie kind of allowed you to not have to fit any mold. You're just like an indie band. Yeah. You're, you, and indie to me really just meant more like lo-fi, less mainstream. So like fidelity of actual tracks, not being these huge compressed pop songs that just sound squished and like big for no reason. Right. The song sounded more like recorded in your bedroom uh, or, you know, recorded throughout time and have a little bit more textures to them. They're just not like as polished. They're more, they're just unique to themselves. Like they, and and I think that's that rise of indie music is why there isn't such like hard lines on genres anymore. I think, you know, crossover is confusing now. Like rap is now mainstream. Whereas when, when I was growing up, that wasn't, you know, that wasn't considered mainstream. So it's kind of, it, you know, Kanye wasn't always a superstar. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. It, it's, yeah. it's kind of crazy how that changed. Yeah. Um, so now here you are, Mel and you, you know, your degree in hand from, you know, sitting on the Red Banks, you know, in East Lansing, and you're thinking about what's next. Uh, kind of what happened at that point to kind of uh, get you, uh, both of you guys launched into a music career? I think that there was starting to feel like because of my dad and his like influence with uh, licensing and getting our songs, not just, mm -hmm. uh, you know, in not just us playing live and trying to sell CDs, but they're, they're starting to be used in like a commercial sense made me think like, okay, there's, if they're picking this up, there might be a little bit more something to it. Um, and then Mel's brother was going to law school out in Eugene, Oregon. And so he's like, Hey, just come visit for your spring break. And when we came to Portland, we we just saw the amount of venues that were here, the amount of yeah. music that was happening. And we were just like, it's a little bit more affordable than LA and it's not so insane. Uh, and so we both, yeah, just simultaneously fell in love and we're like, okay, Portland's perfect. It's a perfect docking point to get to Seattle, to get to San Francisco for touring. So you're just kind of on a West coast dock able to, if you do start touring, you could easily, yeah. you know, circulate. So that was kind of our thought was like, okay, let's get down there and just start playing as much as possible. So when we got to Portland within three days, we played our first show. So now, was that as a, uh, as a, like a duo or did you have backup at that time? At that time we were performing as a duo and for like the first yeah. two years we were here, we were touring as a duo. And honestly, those times were like the easiest. Yeah. We should have just kept it that way. Cause it was like <laughs> low overhead, uh, can get better payout obviously. And, uh, you know, and it's just on us to do it. It was just like, okay, well we get to travel for free was what we were thinking, but you know, there was unexpected. So what, what was the uh, kind of the, well, I guess before I asked that, had you made a, a recording at this time? 
Like yeah, in 2012, we recorded, well, we recorded a lot of Sunnyside Up stuff. Mm-hmm. And then uh, in 2012, we released Those Willows' first record, Rivertown. Right. And that was recorded in uh, like Ferndale, Michigan, uh, over the course of, I would drive up there on like Tuesdays and Wednesdays throughout my senior year and uh, record that album by myself in a studio with this guy who did it for free, which is insane. Yeah. Um, and once we released that, that kind of like catapulted us to want to write uh, in a band mindset because I played all the drums on it and played all the auxiliary instruments and I was like, okay, I think we need to get a band. So it took us a long time to get to know people in Portland though. And yeah. it, it really wasn't until I started playing drums in bands that we were able to find like players to be in our band and to route us out. Oh, it's so then, uh, so now you have, uh, you know, kind of a CD. You got, you're in Portland, you're getting yourself established. You know, what, what's the, you know, at, at that point, you know, the, the old school way that, you know, like when I was uh, your age, you know, and, and as far as for a musician would be playing clubs, some record, you know, A&R guy from Columbia Records, you know, come sitting in the back and, you know, right, you know, gets a note and just says, yeah, these these kids got spunk and moxie and I'm going to sign them and they're going to be big stars, you know, and you know, they have that, that kind of trope. But uh, how, what's the reality as far as when you're, uh, you're, you're starting out trying to get, you know, get established, you know, get published, get, you know, get people to, be able to listen to you know hear and listen and buy your music how's that all work uh i mean it it's consistently changing right i mean the because of social media everything's changed i mean tiktok now is like the main source of how people can get like go from zero to a million pretty quickly but the when i was 10 years ago when we were starting it was like yeah it was a little bit more the old school play a ton of shows get into the scene, build your base in town, try to book as many shows out of town to get, get, keep, you know, building up your base simultaneously using Instagram. But like, really, I think it's a bit of luck. Um, I think that people who experience like some of my friends who blew up, my, my good friend, Brian was in this band called hockey. They had one song, it got on a commercial and then blah, 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 like cut to two years later, they're playing Letterman. And just, you know, they uh, toured the world and fell apart within two years. And now, and, and like, yeah. no one knows about them, you know, it's, it's just like, I don't know, you know, I don't know. Some people weren't right. ever really meant to, to do it, but I think the way that people sustain it these days is yeah. it, it, it's simply touring. I, I don't, yeah. you have to be playing like 2000 people rooms or more, it's that like to, to make enough money to pay your band. It, it seems like the the more the bigger you get, the harder it is. Like in a lot of ways, you'll see yeah. people like Stephen Malcolmist from Pavement, who's just like he lives in Portland. He's like, I can't tour that much, man. This this tour van itself costs ten grand a month. Yeah, you know, yeah. like I don't really know how people are doing it unless you're like in the top two percent of musicians who can just you know bank off Spotify and bank off. Well, even yeah. those top 2%, like even those top 2%, like at this point with Spotify and stuff, 
um, a lot of times they their payouts that they get from Spotify alone just goes to their record labels or people who own mm-hmm. them because because the 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 uh, way the contracts are set up essentially it works like I don't know if this is how it was for contracts at the time but when you do tours you get all the money almost like you get like seventy percent of the money plus the other thirty percent goes to whoever but when you like are on streaming services or selling stuff stuff like that that all goes to like the people who own you essentially. <laughs> Well, it, it's until you pay them off. Yeah. Until you yeah. pay off your record, you know. Well, but I, there's this thing that's a relatively recent phenomenon with yeah. the artists. They call them 360 deals, okay? And basically what you were just referring to, they take a chunk out of almost every revenue stream that the band can generate. And that's these are the record labels, okay? Because mm-hmm. they're not, you know, they can't, quote, sell records like anymore like they used right. to. So they have to look at a way if they're going to underwrite your costs and maybe pay for some tours and things like that, they got to get more and more of your stuff. But what we decided with, I wanted, I, I wanted to have it where um, if there was an opportunity for Jack to make money, I wanted it to be through music licensing. Okay. Versus it being on Spotify. I didn't even know what Spotify was. So in 2009, actually, this would be 14 years ago. He was able to get a couple of his songs from high school onto a music licensing company. It's very well known in LA called Crucial Music. And um, and it's so we were pretty, I was real like very uh, hopeful that we'd get more and more licensing money. And so what I did is I literally spent days and weeks looking at every music licensing company in the world that would take non-exclusive songs non-exclusively. If you if you sign exclusive, you know you you could end up blowing up. I, could, I mean, you get screwed because they might not do anything. So we found some uh, in England and Australia and California and Chicago. I found about eight or nine, and and so we find we got some weird weird music licensing songs through music licensing. Uh, there was one, uh, it was a, it was in Italy. Remember that one, Jack? Uh, I think it was in Michigan. It was a government commercial. It was a government commercial for uh, for Italy promoting like grants for kids to go to college or something. It's for women to go to college. Yeah, women to go to college. Beautiful. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you it was know, bizarre. It was, it was a bizarre. Like a, I mean, out of, right off the top, he got three grand. I go, hey, that's not bad. Yeah. You know? yeah. So we found other things. And, you know, over time, Jack's songs have been probably on over 70 and, and 70 TV shows. And he's had some commercials, a couple of movies. He had one was in a porn movie, which he, we had no control. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. It was, there's like a glorified, yeah, there's a glorified uh, thing out here uh, in Portland, Seattle called the uh, Hump Fest. And it got into it, and uh, yeah, it was, it was super bizarre. There. Yeah, it was super. It was a song I wrote when I was like seventeen, so also really weird. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, in Portland, Humpfest isn't a surprise since they had. It, and, you know, I remember when you know you guys were getting married. We went outside uh, the restaurant, and there's the naked bike riders. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. and it was like okay, I like I've done it, it here. I've this done is- it. I can't believe I've done it, but <laughs> I've done it. <laughs> You tell me about that. That was not why I was not very thrilled. <laughs> Peer pressure. Stay out of it. I know you're in college. So, so I, yeah. I was, as far as getting back to your question about money, 
Yeah, you know, yeah. I was. I what really wanted to try to do, pursue as much as we can through music licensing, and we still are. And we we just had a, a Jack actually did a, some other new songs um, on his own, um, pretty much on his on your own, Jack. Right? I mean, you wrote. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it's called Wellsy, and he wrote a few songs, and I sent it off over to Crucial, and they accepted one of them. Highly hot. It's very hard to get accepted. Like ninety five percent get rejected. And so we're in the process of getting that out there too. But I mean, I guess for me, I'm still very bullish about music licensing. And 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 what I would give advice to bands is that, I mean, it's nice to be on Spotify and get up in all this extra stuff. But you got to have at least one songwriter in the group. You got to have someone who can write songs. I mean, if you want to get some money, you got to have someone. And and if mm-hmm. you can't write a song, you better hook up with someone that can, and write good songs. You know, and and and. And I remember in college when I took a uh, writing class and I wanted to become a better, better writer, the, the professor said, you know how you become a better writer? And I go, well, how? And he goes, you practice, you keep writing and writing and writing. That's what Jack has done. Jack's written well over a hundred songs, I, I can imagine. Mm-hmm. And he, mm-hmm. he used to do this contest and I'll be quiet here in a minute. Yeah. He had these other musicians who are some very, very skilled musicians in LA, at least one of them I know pretty well, where they would have a contest that's what, 12? hours or eight hours where you write 20 songs in 12 hours you have to write it and record it 20 songs in 12 hours and mm-hmm. and that's oh. it, they all listen to their songs after it's it's yeah. crazy you know one thing staying on the, the business side what 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 to, in order to get you know kind of like now that like say the the record deal isn't there do you then as like a business entity go to spotify Apple Music, Pandora, and you have to go and negotiate like separate deals with each of them, and then they have kind of a revenue sharing model. That, they have or, a, you go through a third party that has all these relationships. Okay, so it's essentially the same way we do the podcast, uh, Pat. So it's like okay, RSS is essentially the same thing as like a third party for us. Got it. Got it. Uh, Cause, cause, yeah, 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 yeah. I remember there was like a Netflix. I, I don't know if you guys saw that it was a netflix uh like a like a mini series about the rise of um uh, spotify you know because they came out of sweden and i guess i think it was but you know the whole thing was they they started that thing that they wanted it to be free and it was like you know kind of terrifying because you know it, oh excuse me how how will musicians earn a living you know they're they're basically they were committed to just putting everything out there and and kind of taking taking all that create that intellectual capital away from uh those who created it and i i know they they obviously didn't do that but i uh i guess kind of a long way of asking is is the like spotify and pandora all apple are those are all just heavily weighted to the their platforms yes they're you know, like the musicians don't really get like very fairly compensated i mean what are you your thoughts cut. i mean you get a cut it's not bad it's just you gotta yeah. have you gotta it's, get- i mean it it destroyed it destroyed the market i mean it, okay 100 yeah. percent. like there's there's no there's no way you can as a musician defend spotify right like it's it's like there what is basically a cd these days is like a business card and like the the way you like if someone buys a cd this is just them saying like please keep going 
This is not like, you know, they're not going to listen to it there. They're going to go on Spotify. I mean, the, the reality is, is like when people go to shows, like buying shirts are way more appropriate these days or like buying vinyl for collecting. Um, like the, the Spotify has, it, it's unfortunate because I, I, I use it and I need to like, I, like I listen to music. I love it, but I'm also like, it's the thing that has sunk the ability to, um, yes. to be, yeah, to, to, or you just, you're so small in this world. Like, and yeah. anyone, like we were, you know, and when I was in high school, we started getting garage bands installed on our goofy little Apple computers. And like people started like the rise of garage band and these in-home studios, just basically anyone can make songs. So it's, um, not saying that everyone's a good songwriter, but you know, I just think saturation happened fast, and um, and it, and it's to the point where, how is there four Wellsies on Spotify? <laughs> like, how is there like it, right, it's right. just it's so much saturation that like there's no way to to stand out. Like even some bands that are huge are small. It's confusing. Uh, mm -hmm. I. I uh, I, can't, I don't know how it works exactly. Yeah. yeah. And, and one thing too is, I think if I remember correctly, originally Spotify wanted to essentially be kind of like almost like a YouTube where it was for small creators. Like, oh, put small creators on here and they can make money through ads and stuff like that. But it kind of just became like the all like it, be all end all kind of thing. Like, you know, where you no longer, because on Apple, you know, on iPods, you know, you buy the song or buy the album, you know, you didn't stream it. That wasn't a thing. But then all of a sudden now, if you go on Apple Music, not a single person buys a song off Apple Music. It's all just streaming. And that's, it, it kind of, it, it started out as one thing, became another thing, and now it's just kind of, you got to live with it, you know? It's kind of, it's not going away. Yep. Well, that, you know, that's a, a good uh, kind of crossover to uh, that point, like call it a year ago. It's more than that, Jack, that you decided, okay, I'm going to put the, you know, the music, you know, off to the side and, and do a career pivot and kind yeah. of tell us about that. Yeah. I mean, all the while of doing this music in Portland, I had been working, you know, full time in a different job uh, to pay rent and, you know, live. And during the pandemic, I was promoted to like the general manager of this, like pretty much one of the most famous restaurants in Portland super busy, super intense. The change, like I went from like kind of, you know, one foot in the door, one foot out the door. Cause I was touring with music and kind of working at Quero and like being, but I was, you know, I saw that restaurant as a food cart and it moved all the way up to a brick and mortar. And then I was involved in like the bar plant, the bar program, the planning, the training of all the, people. Hey, like, you, you were on, you were on Flavortown. No less. Yeah. We were on Flavortown. I got to meet Guy. <laughs> oh, um, <laughs> and uh you know like it was just a you know it was a whirlwind but like we were a family and i learned a ton about you know management and training and blah 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 but that all kind of started happening during the pandemic and it it just kind of it was a month before the pandemic started and i said to my all my bands as and i was in four bands at the time and i go hey guys i think i need a little break <laughs> i think i need a month off is what yeah. i said i think i need a month off no no rehearsals and everyone's like totally fine cut to three years later you know, like, and it was, I think my, my wife and I, Mel, were spearheading those willows for so long. Our relationship needed to break from it. I needed to just, I realized it just wasn't going to be the lucrative thing I wanted it to be. It wasn't going to be the career that I could settle down with. Like it just, I wanted to 
get back to loving it and not looking at it as a business entity and more of like a thing that relaxes me and makes me feel whole. So we decided to have a baby and nothing motivates you more than to have a child and want to, you know, provide, I think. And so I realized the restaurant was a young, young person's business and, and everybody was, I mean, I'm not old, I'm like 33, but like everybody was like 25 and could just like stay up till, you know, one in the morning and party and stuff. And I was like backing away from that. And, and so I was like, I need to have a stable nine to five office job. <laughs> and, uh, I don't know, it was a source of a little bit of luck, but a little bit of just my, the drummer that was in my band before the pandemic was like, Hey, I work at this design for consultancy. Uh, they're hiring a project manager and he got me in the door and this, you know, and it was just, I got into the interview, which is kind of my comfort zone and, uh, started basically auditioning, uh, in my way, kind of faking it till I make it like my resume was at this time, Jamba Juice manager and Guero manager. And then, <laughs> right. And then and songwriter yeah. and songwriter. So, I mean, those things, luckily I have family and friends who help me like, shape it in a way to be like, okay, well, being in a band is like being a, an event manager for everything and advertising mm -hmm. and marketing PR, all that's wrapped in. So if you can word it that way and make it kind of seem you know, structured and makes sense. That's one way. And then general management of a restaurant has to do a lot with budgets and, you know, uh, numbers and labor and, you know, ordering product operations, blah, blah, blah. So anyways, HR, HR I, I just kind of uh, BS my way through the project management. <laughs> uh, the technical term, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I believed I could do a good job. You know, it was just, it was just kind of like more get through it, got the job, um, loved it for a while. And uh, then they cut 80% of the staff. So I uh, just decided that that place wasn't right for me. So now I'm on another pivot. We'll see what, <laughs> but, I, but all the while I'm playing a, I'm playing a show tonight. Oh, and, okay. Um, what are you playing, Jack? What are you doing? I'm doing this like open mic night thing, but it's just with a bunch of friends that invited me to, they want me to play. So I'm going to play some songs. Music. Music. Oh, cool. Yeah. So but, uh, music's yeah. always going to be with you, right? It's not like yeah. it's you know, yeah. going away. And uh, uh, do you have plans to record anytime soon? Yeah, I have a song I'm sitting on that I'm going to release soon. And I, I'm doing all the recording and, editing myself these days because I mm -hmm. for one don't see the need to go into these studios anymore I've learned a lot over the pandemic from doing a podcast actually I did this podcast where I re I interviewed musicians who worked uh in the service industry and uh kind of this career, whole thing that was career under, sandwich right oh, career yeah. sandwich <laughs> and uh yeah I learned a lot about like audio and um so yeah, now I'm kind of doing my own thing. And and like my dad said, they actually accepted one of my songs at that licensing company, which was kind of a big deal for me because it's the first time I've ever produced and did my own my own thing that got picked up. So what type of audio uh, editing software do you use like currently for that like when you edit like your songs and stuff like that? You know, funny enough, I'm using GarageBand. I am oh. I am like the <laughs> I am the person who's <laughs> who's just I've grown very used to it. I have two microphones and I know exactly what they're capable of. I've had them for like 10 years. And 
it doesn't really matter at that point. If if you know your gear, then it's just kind of, uh, you know, it's, a, it's so much, it's so similar to logic. So I've, I've used logic yeah. before, but, um, yeah, I, I, I mostly logic or garage band. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of yeah. how I am with iMovie. Cause like I, iMovie yeah. is like so much simpler, but it's like what I'm used to and I don't want to go, I, I know how to use premiere. I just don't. Cause it takes I, I totally get it. Yeah. I mean, it's like Adobe versus Canva in yeah. the, in the modern context too. Like people are either Photoshop people and they're ride or die or now Canva is just like, why not? Yeah. yeah. You know, you know. Uh, here there's a, you know, apps after this podcast, uh, young Jason, our producer, he's, he's now, you know, he's got, he's going uh, over to the pawn shop and going to get a guitar and he's, <laughs> wants he wants to launch a music career so he's gonna graduate from lion you know or, or I, we'll all come and get him and kill him but uh, he graduates from lion and now he wants to launch into a music career uh what advice jack would you give young jason uh don't don't go looking for the likes <laughs> mm -hmm. uh do it because you love it and and find people who love it and grow with them don't don't worry so much about uh, social media. I, I think everybody thinks that's just the route and, and everyone will tell you like, just get a presence going or meet some people who just ask you to play a show with them. Like that's, I, I think anyone who wants to get into the scene should just go to shows, show up, um, whatever you're into, go to those shows, you'll meet a million people. It's just so much more important than this than this false sense of reality of uh, twenty likes on a, a reel. Like who cares? So, yeah. yeah. I would also recommend uh, four chords, C A minor F G seven. <laughs> there yeah. you go. And Those are the four chords I taught Jack, and after that, that was done. Music history. Uh, well, well, real good. Well, but uh, you yeah, thank you both. You know, you know, Dave. Yeah. You just stay cool in, in incredibly sunny Florida. And Jack, you know, what, what do they say in Portland? Stay weird. You know, I guess. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Yeah. I'd say <laughs> stay dry. I, I, got, I, got, <laughs> I got one more thing I want to ask before we, yeah, before fire we away. go. Okay. So before, now that AI is becoming the way it is, I, I always, I always, this is the thing I, I like to bring up. So as a musician and you see mm -hmm. like the AI music coming out with like the, like uh the president singing stuff and stuff like that yeah what yeah. is what is your opinion on that towards the industry like do you see there being a problem in the future where people's voices are being taken like completely illegally to be used for songs and stuff like that or like what is your opinion on that i want to i just kind of wanted to pick your brain on yeah that. uh totally you know i have asked chat gbt to write me a song based off these parameters that i created off of a song i, I already wrote and my it's called my bones it hasn't come out yet but I, I told it to hey i hey write this song called my bones it's about a 33 year old who has anxiety and this and blah 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 and gave it all these parameters had it write it it was shit so what i will say or it, sorry it was uh i don't right. know if you guys no, it fine. was not good uh what i'm saying i think that ai is relevant and it matters and um it using other people's voices that we're familiar with to create profit. new content or whatever or for profit it's nothing that hasn't been done before um it you know if you think about sampled music you think about 
you know, any EDM artists, they're all using samples and songs that things have already happened. Like right now, there's like that song on the radio. I can't believe it's on the radio. It's like the Tracy Chapman song, or maybe that's right. It's like, maybe you drive a fast car. Fast car but it's yeah. like some like country dude singing it. And it's no different than the original. I'm like, what's going on here? But I guess my point is, is that let it go. Let it happen. If, the, if they start making profit off of like something sounding like Snoop Dogg, I mean, he can just sue them. <laughs> and yeah. I mean, I mean, I don't know. Like, it's to me, this is the world. I've been, you know, in the being a musician is consistently having to adapt, and being in this world of technology is consistently having to adapt. But I mean, I started using Chat GPT and AI stuff immediately as soon as it came out because I'm like, I need to be, I need to understand this stuff because it. If it's going to become part of our lives, it's just like Spotify. It's this next thing. So um, I'm not going to fight it. <laughs> I'm just going to observe it and do what I do. And if, you know, imitation is the biggest, you know, what is the biggest form of flattery. So if AI wants to sound like me, congratulations. <laughs> Try your there best. There you go. All right. <laughs> A jackpot. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, Jack and, and Dave, thank you both. Uh, and, and, uh, We'll, uh, and, and that'll wrap up another episode of uh, Career Pathways. And, uh, and we'll, Jason and I will be back in a moment uh, with just a little uh, summary about the show. Uh, thanks again. Okay, Jason, uh, your thoughts. My thoughts on, on it was really interesting. One of the biggest things that he brought up that I thought was really uh, like right. a good thing that people could take away from this, especially is making connections because people forget about yeah. this, that even though we live in 2023 where, you know, you got this thing at you at all times, you know, and you're constantly over there, that's not making a real connection, making, right. having people on, you know, social media or something like that. He's right. is not connections. I think making real connections is the best way to like, like he said, it wasn't even just for his music. He was getting other jobs because of it, you know, be, through those connections that he had. So I think if people need to take one thing away from today, it's yeah. that they need to make connections in the real world because they will benefit you in every walk, walk of life. Yeah. And there's a couple things, you know, and obviously I'm, you know, Jack's, uh, uncle so i i kind of know his story yeah. you know very deeply and and uh the things that uh that you you find in you know jason you saw meeting him is that how grounded mm -hmm. he is and i remember when uh he was young and and they went to los angeles and you, were you know for yeah and i was so worried for him because of you know that you know a lot of that auditioning you're facing rejection at an early age and would it leave any scars and uh his resilience and positivity that came came through that really has uh just been so you know uh, so impressive because it just kind of carried him uh carried him through you know all the other ups and downs that he's had in life and he has a, just a tremendous perspective mm -hmm. on it the other thing that, you know, that as far as Jack as an artist, uh, you know, that he he developed his own voice, you know, his own craft. And and he never went, you know, went and made all these crazy pivots like, oh, wow, now it's 
you know, it's dance music. I got to go and mm -hmm. you know start recording dance, or now it's this, or now it's that. He wasn't you trying know, to he, follow trends. He was trying to make. Yeah, he he had better, you know, good or bad. It didn't, you know, it, it was like an authenticity that here, you know, I, you know, my music's unique. He kind of was talking about how it, it at one time everything fell under indie, mm -hmm. so it was a real broad category that allowed artists to be themselves and uh, he's you know he's stuck with that and so whether it's commercial success not commercial success you know he you know at least he you know stayed authentic as an artist yeah and and i think uh, being a musician is like one of those careers like being an athlete yeah. you know it, it's not yeah. like every single person's going to be able to do it and not every single person's going to have success you know there's always going to be a couple people who want to do it and, and you won't get the opportunity to but it does mean you shouldn't try and that's yeah. the big thing It's just because you fail, like, like he, like with his acting, you know, he, he, he didn't fail, but you know, getting rejected, getting rejected, you know, some people that just be like, Oh, I'm done. I'm not worth it. You know, I don't yeah. have any, I, I'm not, I, I'm talentless. I don't have anything, but no, like having a positive mindset and getting through it. I mean that switching careers like that is, is tough to begin with. And then switching from one walk, walk of life where it's like, Oh, being an actor, you know, to being a musician, that's something like, those are two, one, like, like being an athlete. It's like, Wow, you know, you never know if you're going to get it or not. You know? Well, and, and you know, the you know, he's very modest, so he doesn't talk up the mm -hmm. success that he has had in you know with those willows, and uh, they've made fantastic music. Uh, by the way, you know that uh, Jack's song "No More" is what we use for the lead-in mm -hmm. to our podcast and for all transitions. Uh, mm -hmm. Anyone who wants to uh, listen to uh, Jack and his wife Mel's uh, band, Those Willows, please go, you know, to wh whatever streaming service that that you use, whether it's Spotify or Pandora, Apple, whatever, and uh, and listen to it. You're, you're going to be incredibly uh, impressed. And and that's, I think that's kind of, uh, you know, since I'm bragging on him uh, in a big way, being his uncle, but, you know, as far as that, that humility, uh is is really uh impressive because you know he's you know he won't talk up all the accomplishments that he's had and all the accomplishments that he's going to have in the future you know he's you know jack's a smart creative mind and, and there's going to be a lot of promising things uh ahead yeah i i, I yeah i think it's just yeah he, he's he's he was just it was a great opportunity to have yeah. on the show and also like just getting to have that experience of like somebody who's like you know been there done that type of thing that, that would right. definitely be really 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 beneficial to people in general good deal well with that uh we're uh, jason and i are going to wrap up another episode of career pathways uh, thank you for listening uh to us please uh just uh you know uh well just yeah thank you for listening to us thanks a lot This broadcast is sponsored in part by Lion College and also sponsored in part by Kilt Radio.